Welcome to the Innovation in Financial Inclusion podcast. I'm Andrew Wallace. And I'm Paul Veek, and we're from Community Finance Solutions at the University of Salford. Community Finance Solutions is a research unit specialising in financial inclusion and affordable credit. In this episode, we'll be talking about savings and why people are not saving on a regular basis. According to the uh, For All Finance, one in five UK adults have £100 or less in savings. And as a result, people are more likely to borrow to cover unexpected bills and are more likely to experience financial difficulties. To learn more about this, we've spoken with James Kelly and Matt Bland. James is a relationship manager at the Money and Pension Service, which is an arm's length body that works to ensure that people have guidance and access to information to help them make effective financial decisions over their lifetime, including pensions guidance, debt advice, and money guidance. Matt is the chief exec of Co-op Credit Union, which provides loans and savings to members and employees of the Co-op Group and a range of other cooperatives. Matt, can you tell us why are savings important? Yeah, I think savings are important um, for for everyone, but especially those on a low income, I think, because um, you know they provide resilience um, against you know financial shocks that might occur, you know unexpected expenses, um, and you know that's really important um, so that you know people can avoid borrowing and feel that additional security. Um, so there's a kind of practical benefit, but also there's quite a lot of evidence um, from research that's been done here and elsewhere in the world um, around the psychological benefits of small scale savings for um, for those who maybe haven't been able to accumulate savings before. Um, and that can be disproportionate to the to the value of the savings themselves. So, you know, even small, modest amounts of saving can have a you know quite profound psychological benefit for people who have never been able to save before. So it's more than just, you know, having money aside in case something goes wrong. It's it's about the the um, wider well-being um, and mental health of, of the individuals concerned, I think. Um, and, and there's a sense of pride and self-esteem that can come from having even just a small amount of savings. So, you know, we think that there are you know some real benefits to to helping people to to break a cycle of borrowing and to, to start saving what are the consequences of not saving yeah um i mean you know the obvious one as i've mentioned already there is um uh, the need to borrow in order to meet unexpected expenses um and there's a direct financial cost of course to to that um, and it, it may not be possible uh, to borrow um, in all circumstances, depending on the individual's um, uh, circumstances and uh, you know financial position. They may already have exhausted their available uh, sources of credit. So that might mean borrowing from um, more expensive or even you know unregulated, unscrupulous lenders, or or maybe in a more um running the mill way borrowing from friends and family which may be fine provided you can re, you know repay them and so on but but can 
um, damage personal relationships, which are really important for people. You know, if if you've if you've borrowed some money from a close family member um, and then fail to repay, that can that can undermine your relationship and and might have all sorts of other consequences for your for your life if you rely on that relationship to, for support in other ways. So you know the the, the la- having a lack of savings can you know can lead you very vulnerable. Um, um, and and in worst case scenario, that can have real detrimental effects for your um, for your wider life beyond just your your financial affairs. Um, so you know, unfortunately, we see that, that more and more often at the moment with the um, cost of living pressure, with inflation so high. You know, what little savings people did have a are being um, are being spent uh, to make ends meet. Uh, right now and, and we've certainly seen that across our uh, um, savings book as a credit union um, in the last year in 2022 uh, whereas during the pandemic of course it was well reported that savings across the population sort of irrespective of um, income level um, you know were, 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 were accumulated rapidly because of the lack of opportunities to spend um, what we saw last year was actually for the the first time in a long time, certainly in my memory, um, the credit union's savings bulk shrank slightly across the year. Um, and we think that wasn't, you know, uh, large depositors pulling money out to pursue better rates of return. Now interest rates are, are rising. It was relatively small repeat withdrawals from savings, which we think appear to um to be people you know spending those savings that they'd accumulated covid to to meet the shortfall in their budgets which of course you know it's good that there is this um kind of legacy of covid of savings but it's finite you know it will only last so long if that's a persistent position in your budget that you know you, you there's a shortfall and sooner or later those savings will will no longer be there um so uh so yeah the consequences of 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 not having savings that can be quite can be quite significant um at the at at the most basic level i think it is about you know uh, increased need to borrow um which can as i say in extreme circumstances um be, be very problematic um especially for those on lower incomes who maybe uh have limited options in the credit market as a credit union, you will have helped some people start saving for the first time in their life. What impact does this have? Um, as I say, I think I think there is, you know, there is an immediate impact in terms of that psychological benefit as well as that additional uh, enhanced resilience against financial shocks. I think for, for a lot of our members, um, getting saving is is about habit forming. You know, it's about getting people into a pattern of of behaviour, um, and so we're one of the things that we do to help people to get saving is linking saving and borrowing. So as a credit union, we lend money to our members as well as provide a home for their savings, um, and we make this connection between the two. So we ask people whilst they're repaying their loans to to save a small amount alongside their loan repayments. It's called Savers You Borrow um and 
one of the other things that's important about our services, our, our borrowing is significantly cheaper than a lot of the other options for, for similar types of credit elsewhere in the market. So the fact that, you know, the individual's saving significant amounts of money on interest, some of that, a small proportion of that can be set aside as savings. And 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 so at the end of that loan, for the first time ever for a lot of our borrowers, um, they have some savings set aside. Which is a nice additional benefit to the to the service we offer, um, and that you know demonstrating to someone who's never been able to save in the past that they they can according to the, the budget they've got, um, and it's about sort of you know setting that as a default setting if you like within the the way that the service works, um, you know can can be really powerful in terms of that behavioural habit forming um which is really important quite often we hear you know people that we speak to so we we work with a lot of employers for example as you talk to hr directors um within employers um, with lots of low low paid workers um and quite often the first question around savings is what's the rate you know what's the rate of return um and um and we think that's the wrong way to think about savings it for for people uh, with limited uh you know history of savings and um you know on a on a low income you know it's about behavioral change and habit forming not um uh you know not rates of return because you know that's not what's driving that behavior for those people they're not thinking about whether they're going to get you know another half a percent on um on the interest or dividend return um because you know if we talk about small amounts of money of a few hundred pounds you know it really is um pennies difference between one rate and another um so that's not what it's about demonstrating to that person often contrary to their you know preconceived ideas about saving that they can save without earning lots more money you know within the, the bounds of their existing budget um and and getting into a pattern of saving however small it might be the the, the amount that they save regularly um so linking that to payroll um uh, as we say working with employers for instance another powerful way that we can make that easier for people um, so that that savings deducted at source and they don't have to kind of go take an additional step to set up a standing order or direct debit or something like that they can simply instruct us to deduct some savings and, and let we'll take care of the rest and 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 so making it as easy as possible is um is really important too um but yeah the rate of return is is of limited relevance in this uh, in this area, I think it's about getting people into a pattern of behaviour. Moving away from the impacts, what are the main barriers to saving? Uh, the main barriers, I mean, as I say, I think it's about um, behavioural biases mainly, um, but also, you know, limited, limited means, let's be honest. I mean, you know, a lot of our members are, well, the vast majority of our members are working, um, but in low paid work in retail, grocery, supermarket jobs, um, you know, close to minimum wage. And especially right now, but even before this current cost of living crisis, um, you know, 
there is quite limited spare capacity in, in people's budgets um, to 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 save, and that's a true that's a real real issue. We would argue everyone could probably save a bit. Um, I think there are also cultural problems that drive some of that, though, as well, in terms of the sort of um, consumerist economy that we have, which encourages people um, to believe that, you know, material uh, possessions and, uh, you know, is what fulfilment in life is about. We're getting a bit philosophical, but I think it's important um, because actually we see lots of people borrowing money um for relatively um trivial uh things you know and and you know we don't want to judge in any individuals but at the society level this is this endemic problem of people believing that you know this kind of instagram lifestyle that that they've led to believe is is what how they you know they should be living um is is so important that you know it's worth borrowing to kind of have some semblance of it in their lives and 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 um you know unfortunately lots of people carrying a lot of debt as a result of making those kinds of choices on spending and i think you know it's not sustainable not sustainable for those those households um especially right now with inflation you know that they're, they're carrying a, a lot of debt which was affordable with prices stable and interest rates low and all of a sudden the kind of rug's been pulled from under some of that and these people are very exposed now. In your experience, who are less likely to save? Do they share any specific demographic or attitudinal characteristics? Um, so I think... I think generally younger people, which, you know, we see a lot of this um, uh, sort of classic case of, you know, young people starting out in their financial lives, um, where a lot of what I'm sort of describing about consumerism is, is most sort of powerful, I think, you know, so, you know, if left school, maybe getting settled some level of independence, got themselves a job um and all of a sudden you know a world of opportunities opens up and quite often you know without you know we all remember being that age and feeling invincible and feeling like you know it all and, and want just wanting to do what you want to do and and i think a lot of that can manifest itself as some poor poor financial decision making early in in adult life we do see quite a lot of that and that you know typically involves borrowing excessively and saving too little, if anything at all. So younger people, young adults, I think, and if are a key kind of group where you know we need to sort of try and think of ways to promote a different way of uh, of doing the the finances. Um, that's certainly the case. I think generally speaking, although we're sort of generalising here, um, you know men are probably worse than women as far as savings concerned and uh, especially in the single men um you know where they, they, so i think typically that sort of mothering instincts for women with children especially you know makes them think about things like saving and you know stable fa family finances um in a more natural way 
No, no, obviously not in every case by any means, but you know, as a as a generalisation, I think that's broadly true. Thank you, Matt. Now moving on to James at Maps. James, why is the propensity to save a key policy concern? Yeah, sure. So uh, thank you for inviting me to have this conversation with you, Andrew. From, from our side, um, savings is really important because what we want people to do is we want them to have what we call a buffer or a rainy day savings fund. And what we mean by that um, from a policy perspective is we want people to have a fallback position. Something that um, if something goes wrong, you know, they come home from work, it's um, you know, a Tuesday evening and they've left the washing machine on that afternoon and they come home from work and the washing machines fail completely and the emote has gone and it needs a new washing machine. And it's, you know, 350 pounds from a local shop and 20 pounds to fit it. We want them to have that fund, that ability to not need to uh, access credit or to put it on a credit card or to take an overdraft or a loan for it. So we don't prescribe how much people money should people should save. But what we want them to do is build up what we call, as I say, a rainy day savings fund for when something goes wrong or a buffer is the same concept. And I don't know if you could sort of expand on sort of the benefits of, of saving uh, one on a macro level and another on like a micro level. Yeah. So if, if you look at kind of from, from an individual's perspective, um, what it means beyond that, having that buffer, having that rainy day savings fund, actually savings creates lots of good habits. So it gets people into that um, world whereby they are, what we try and encourage people to do is save a regular amount. It doesn't have to be a large amount. Sometimes people will say to me, James, do I need to save 150 pounds a month? No, not necessarily. You need to save what you can afford. If that's 30 pounds a month, that's absolutely fine. Because if you save that every month, Ideally, on a direct debit, you know, you put it in a building society account or an ICE or something like that. Then over a year, you build up about £360 plus a little bit of interest. You know, there's a bit of interest going at the moment. So for the individual, that makes them feel more in control, more focused in terms of what they're doing. And it gives them that security and that confidence about dealing with their finances. On a wider basis, on a society basis, on a macro basis, it gives stability to people. It gives people a bedrock on which to build their financial foundations and their budgeting. Um, and it allows people to not have unexpected challenges that they can't cope with. So we try and get people to save an amount regularly, build that up, you know, month on month, quarter on quarter, year on year. Obviously, there'll be times when people need to dip into their savings. It's not an inaccessible fund forever. But what it does mean is it gives people that opportunity to have a fallback position and it also gives society that knowledge that people are not immediately into what we call a challenging situation, you know, a deficit budget or a financial difficulty situation or arrears or, a, or a, you know, a debt management situation. And, and based on your work and the research that you've commissioned at MAPS, um, what have you learned about the savings habit uh, in the UK? Yeah, I, th I think one of the biggest things that we've found, the biggest challenge that we've probably found is people getting into that regular savings habit, people having the commitment to do that. And as, as I said to you a few, a few moments ago, a few minutes ago, what we try and say to people is don't set um, a goal that's unachievable. We don't want you to set a savings habit that's like Everest that you can't really achieve. We want you to set a target that's achievable, might be a little bit stretching, 
but it's within your your budget or your household budget or your family's budget. It's something that you can do and, and regularly achieve. So from our side, one of the things that we do, we regularly do research right across the UK, whether that's in England, Wales, Scotland or Northern Ireland. We regularly go out and speak to large sections uh, of the UK population. And one of the things that we do find is people are finding that challenging. We understand why there's a cost of living impacts at the moment. Food has gone up. Diesel's gone up, petrol's gone up, electricity's gone up, gas has gone up, practically everything, clothing has gone up. So we understand that that's a, a challenging environment for people economically. But what we want people to do and what we, we learn from what we commission with people is if they can get into that regular habit, it really makes a difference. The other benefit to regular saving, Andrew, is that what you find is that it improves not just your financial immediate position, but it improves your overall financial well-being. So people feel more in control they feel more confident, they feel more empowered about their money. In other words, they're driving their money and their money management, not they're reacting to every situation. So there's a number of benefits. And then the other point I would add is that if you save regularly and get into that regular savings habit, that tends to improve your credit score as well. So for people who might want to then go out and perhaps take a larger purchase, maybe something like buying a car, getting a car loan, or perhaps taking out a mortgage, um, it means that they're slowly but steadily improving their credit score because um, the credit agencies like to see people having that regular savings habit. Uh, I don't know if you'd be able to sort of expand on sort of the, the characteristics of households who are less likely to save, sure. um, sort of uh, where they come from, you know, what you know, what sort of demographics or anything. Yeah, sure. So, so what we find in terms of of, of that demographic is, is people who are at the lower level of the of the income spectrum or in terms of benefits or retirement payments, whether people are employed, whether people are retired, whether people are unemployed or part employed, but those people are on the lowest incomes. And naturally, on the, they've got the biggest, what we call squeeze on their income. They've got lots of outgoings, but there's still a challenging financial position for them to manage. And it's human nature that you pay the bills that are coming in. That, that's just who we are as, as individuals, and not just in the UK, right around the world when the bills come in. So what we try and get people to think about is we try and the, the information we provide, Andrew, if you go and speak to our contact centre, to our call centre colleagues, or you go online and look at Money Helper, our website, what we try and do is make sure the information we provide is really straightforward, easy to understand. We don't do lots of financial services jargon and acronyms because that's off-putting for people. So what we want people to do is be able to access our information, um, whatever demographic they're in. You know, we know that, for example, a lot of retired people find it quite challenging to look at lots of things on the internet. You know, that's not the world that they perhaps grew up in or that wasn't what was happening during their, the majority of their livelihoods. That's why we have a contact centre so people can speak to us and have those kind of discussions with someone who's there to help them. You know, all the colleagues I work with, all the information we provide is completely independent. It's completely free. Um, and it's not trying to sell something. That's not what we're trying to achieve with people. What we're trying to do is give people the best information, the best help, the best guidance they can possibly have about their money so they can make an informed decision. Um, and for a lot of people, when you're struggling financially, that's a challenge. There's lots of day-to-day -day challenges. You know, there's paying the rent or paying the mortgage, paying your energy bills, buying the food. And so this perhaps comes not quite at the top of the list. It comes somewhere on the list, probably not on the bottom. And it's trying to get people to think about that in a proactive way, even if they're finding their finances are a bit of a, a challenge at the moment.
And I don't know if you'd be able to sort of expand on um, how the sort of savings habit in the UK has evolved in recent years. How it's sort of, is it changed? Is it similar than what it was? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. So you know, we've had a big event that, that's changed how a lot of people saved, which is COVID. You know, and, and that seems obvious, but you know, it's kind of a year past the lockdowns now. We've kind of come out of the lockdowns over twelve months ago. Obviously, when COVID was on. You know, that was a, a massive, not just a massive financial event, it was a massive event for society across the world. And the natural reaction when times are really unusual, you know, we've never had a pandemic, have we, for over a century, Andrew? So when times are that difficult, people think in a different way. and People therefore tended to save more money if they could. We understood that some people, you know, had lost their sources of income. They might have been a taxi driver or they might have been, you know, somebody in a job like hospitality or retail, which, which you know, people's incomes really dropped during those periods of time. But for lots of people who worked in, you know, in other environments that, you know, perhaps they were, you know, a role that continued, perhaps they were a teacher or perhaps they built cars for a living um, or worked for the government, you know, their, their incomes continued. So what we found is people had a more propensity to save. They wanted to build up that buffer because times were uncertain. And again, that's a natural human reaction. The other thing that we found over time is that people have got a little bit, um, a little bit more sophisticated about how they save. Um, you know, there's a lot more options in terms of how you can do that. You know, once upon a time when I first started my career, pretty much everybody saved their money in a building society account. That was really the only way they did it because you've got a little bit of interest. It was very safe. It was very secure. That obviously still exists and millions of people use it. But a lot of more people now save through their bank directly or they might use something like a credit union. You know, so we work with a lot of credit unions right across the UK. They have a similar ethos to us. They're there to help people. And they're particularly helping people in you know, difficult or challenging financial circumstances. You know, so they have an opportunity to engage with people and start building up that confidence, building up that buffer. And technology's changed that as well. You know, people can jump around and, and save in different ways much more quickly. You know, we mentioned things like ISAs earlier on. There's usually lots of different ISA products out at any one time. They don't all offer the same rate. You know, people are pretty alert to that opportunity. So when they get to the end of, you know, perhaps their one year on their ISA deal, they'll go and look at what their bank can provide or they'll go and look at what the building society can provide. Or they might speak to their credit union. They might speak to all three. So that's one of the ways that I think savings as a habit has changed. Uh, and I think it's come back into fashion as well. That's the other thing. If you kind of went back before the pandemic, there was kind of a time where savings almost wasn't fashionable in some sections of society. Um, but that's changed. People want that confidence. They want that buffer. They want that rainy day savings fund. They want to have that confidence. And I think the other thing that people are very focused on nowadays, most people are very focused on saving in a secure way. So they don't want to take a risky savings investment. Um, you know, they don't want to put the money in a digital coin or they don't want to put the money on the stock market or they don't want to put the money in high risk investment. There will always be a percentage of society that wants to chase that opportunity, um, but they need to be aware of the risk. You know, the risk if you put something into a digital coin is you might make something, but you also might lose the lot. And that's not really saving. That That's really taking a risk rather than savings. So I, I think that's the way that we, we've seen that change, not just in how communities or individuals or households save, but almost in how society saves money. And then what would you say in the sort of current situation? What are the main barriers to saving you know, today? Yeah, they're definitely the, the main barriers at the moment are definitely this pressure that people have on their household budgets. Um, we understand uh, if you go on our website, we mentioned Money Helper early on. We have a, a we have a, a budget planner to help people 
focus on, on where all their bills are and where all their incoming is, where their money's coming in, whether it's their salary, whether it's um, part time work, whether it's you know, benefits, whether it's retirement, uh, pension income. So we want people to focus on that bigger picture of what the money is coming in. But also then there's that challenge of at the moment more money's going out. You know, everybody's energy bills have gone up. It doesn't matter who you are. Your energy bill has gone up. If you drive a car, your fuel, your diesel or your electric or your petrol has gone up. Uh, other bills have gone up, things like council tax and food. So that puts, like we said earlier on, people in squeezed incomes. It puts them into this challenge whereby the amount they can save gets reduced. It gets squeezed down because the other bills need to be paid. One of the things that we encourage people to do is, is look at the budget planner we have online. It doesn't have to be with us. You can use a, you know, you can use a budget planner from you know other other good organisations. People like say since advice or a bank or a bill society. But we're really keen that people focus on, on budgeting each and every month because by doing that you can see where you might have that little bit of spare income and that as i said to you earlier on that might not be a huge amount of money at the moment that might be 15 pounds a month but if you can get into a regular habit of saving that or your household can get in a regular habit of saving that that really helps people start to create that propensity to save get past that barrier of oh i'm being chased for the gas bill you know all the electricity bills arrived this week Next week, I've got my council tax uh, payment for this month going out. It gets kind of gets some order into that situation. And we also have another tool that we use with people uh, called Bill Prioritizer, which literally helps people do that, helps them sort the order that their bills can be uh, uh, paid into and, and, and sorted. And then that obviously allows you to have that overcome that barrier of oh, we don't have any spare money. It's really important that you do do that kind of budgeting, that looking forwards, because to be able to save money, You've kind of got to know what you're spending out in the first place. Andrew, what did you take away from these interviews? So I think the first thing I took away from these interviews was was the benefits of savings. You know, savings is viewed as a fallback support, which you know enables people to cover short-term unexpected bills, such as like washers or dryers which you know also helps them to reduce unnecessary borrowing which you know if you look to the future it means that they're less likely to face financial problems but if you look at the intangible benefits of, of borrowing of saving sorry is that it provide it improves confidence and provides a sense of control as people you know are, are able to uh, plan for their future because they know they have the savings to cover those short term unexpected item uh, bills but despite of all the benefits financial and non-financial there are in terms of if for people to save we know that a lot of people don't save um james and matt's point to uh, both sort of structural long-term drivers of of the lack of savings but also more sort of temporal um, drivers if we look at the long-term drivers we live in a consumer society and consumer societies drives people to spend to keep up with their peers. Um, and also there's less societal emphasis and promotion of saving compared to credit. And if we look at some of the more short-term drivers, we know that for most people, COVID increased their propensity to save because they had fewer opportunities to spend. Uh, but the cost of living crisis has reduced it because people have drawn on their savings to, to cover living costs. 
Yeah, I think it's quite you know important you said about you know the propensity to save. But if you you know if you look closer at the people who have a very low propensity to save and look at the characteristics of these non-savers, they're mainly you know young, single, and male. You know, especially those on low incomes, and that's to be expected. You know, people who are on low incomes are spending a greater proportion of their income on essential goods. But if you listen to what Matt was saying, um, you know, about a lot of people are spending their incomes on trivial things, which I think brings back to your point, Paul, about this consumeristic society. You know, people are spending things on on what they want rather than what they need. And if we're going to turn this around and make more people save, what I took from the from both Matt and, and James is that it's not some important what, how much people save and the actual amount people put away, but it's more important that we help people build a savings habit so that people get into the habit of saving and putting away um, money on a regular basis. Um, and, and I think this sort of poses a challenge, I think, for, the, for Matt and his colleagues in the credit union sector in terms of how can they how can they make it easier and encourage people to save through stuff like salary deduction into savings? So I think to, to summarise the uh, two interviews, we can split it into two points. The first being that despite the financial and well-being benefits of saving, many continue not to save, you know, especially if they're younger and they're on lower incomes than the male. But the second point is that you know, uh, we can take from these interviews is that, you know, if we need to help, we need to provide support to people to help them develop or build the habit of saving regularly, which is, I think, what, you know, James said earlier. In the next episode, we'll be talking not about savings, but the opposite, about over-indebtedness with Muna Yassin from Fair Money Advice and Helen Webb from Christians Against Poverty. And that's the Innovation in Financial Inclusion podcast with Andrew and Paul. If you want to find out more or contribute to the discussion, go to hub.salford.ac.uk forward slash CFS or follow us on Twitter at CFS underscore SBS. Bye for now.